Good morning. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. It's Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. The potential impacts and threats from an earthquake in Japan. It's huge. I'm Clayton Neville. Some Israeli troops pulling out of Gaza as U.S. attacks in the Red Sea continue. I'm John Stolness in Washington. A driver fleeing police in Manhattan fed onto a sidewalk, injuring seven people in Julie Walker, New York. A Colorado mother suspected of killing two of her young children is under arrest in the U.K. I'm Shelley Adler. Americans love a good bargain, and retailers who recognize that could find themselves ahead of their competitors in 2024. I'm Peter Shacknow. A foreign exchange student from China who was reported missing through what authorities say was an apparent cyber kidnapping scheme. I'm Lisa Dwyer. There was a surge in Las Vegas weddings around New Year's Day because of the date. I'm Ed Donahue. All ahead on America in the Morning. The Biden administration told the government in Tokyo that it is ready to help following a massive earthquake in Japan that's killed a number of people and brought down buildings. Correspondent Clayton Neville has the latest. A 7.5 magnitude earthquake tore through parts of Japan, leveling buildings and sparking fires. Tens of thousands of people lost power. I pray the first one is my family all healthy and happiness, and second is my business uh, successful. Tourist Amanda Liu told the Associated Press that she went to a Tokyo temple to pray on New Year's Eve. And third is my relationship is uh, love, love. <laughs> According to the U.S. Geological Survey, 31 aftershocks were reported and more expected over the next few months. Oh, I know it's still going. At least 1,400 train passengers were stranded inside high-speed bullet trains for hours before service was eventually restored. Damaged roads made it difficult for first responders to get to injured patients. The Japanese military now dealing with recovery efforts and the U.S. pledging help, too. In a statement, the Biden administration says it is in touch with Japanese officials and that the U.S. stands ready to provide any necessary help for the Japanese people. Tsunami warnings were issued after the quake and were eventually canceled, but advisories are in place and some residents are being asked to evacuate. Tsunami waves up to four feet or even higher, threatening parts of Japan's west coast. I'm Clayton Neville. In the wake of calls by the U.S. and other allies to scale back their operations in Gaza, Israel is withdrawing thousands of troops. John Stolnes has the latest from Washington. Although Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told his countrymen that the war was still, quote, in full swing during his annual end-of-year address over the weekend, the Israeli military confirmed they are removing five brigades, which accounts for about several thousand troops in the coming weeks. Despite that, Netanyahu promises, quote, My policy is clear. We continue to fight until the completion of all the objectives of the war and, above all, the elimination of Hamas and the release of all our abductees. Netanyahu says, the war against Hamas would likely last through 2024 and stressed they would also need to take control of the southern border of Gaza with Egypt, likely leading to an occupation of Gaza, something National Security Council spokesman John Kirby tells ABC News. We don't support any reoccupation of Gaza. What we do support is some sort of post-conflict governance in Gaza that meets the aspirations of the Palestinian people. Meanwhile, U.S. Navy helicopters sunk three Houthi boats that were attacking merchant ships 
ships in the Red Sea over the weekend, an act the White House and Pentagon claims was self-defense. The Iran-backed rebels claim 10 of their fighters were killed. Republican Congressman Mike Turner on ABC's This Week said the Biden administration should go further to punish Iran and make sure these Houthi attacks cannot continue. I think the president absolutely has to to look at what actions need to be taken in Yemen to be able to prevent the Houthis to continue to put commercial and military uh, vessels at, at risk. Uh, the fact that the president's not doing that uh, is, is giving Iran a, a total pass and an ability to operate uh, with, without consequences in the area. Uh, these are, this is a franchise of Iran again, just like Hezbollah and Hamas are, is. And the, uh, the administration's timidry uh, is, is really um, you know, very curious. Nasser Kanani, Iran Foreign Ministry spokesman, says activities by the U.S. and Britain in the Red Sea are in line with the role of those two countries in intensifying instability and insecurity in the regional waters, especially in the Red Sea. Kirby would not say whether launching preemptive attacks against Houthis was on or off the table, saying they will do what they have to do to protect shipping. John Stolness, Washington. When we return on America in the Morning, captured a mother suspected of murder and where she was found after these messages. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is America in the Morning. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Brian Thompson is watching a storm system developing in the south. A storm system developing across Texas today will bring rain across much of the state by the afternoon hours, especially from central into south Texas. That's where we'll see the most uh, numerous showers and even some steadier rain at times. Now, as this storm continues to develop, it's going to head off to the east and northeast over the next couple of days. It's going to spread some rain eastward along the central Gulf Coast. And then the storm will exit uh, probably pretty early Thursday off the Carolina coast, bringing some rain with it. Uh, but again, that uh, storm will move eastward out to sea. But east of that uh, rain today in Texas, we are going to see uh, some dry weather across much of the southeast for today and really up and down the east coast from Maine to Florida. It is going to be 
dry today with a fair amount of sunshine. Now, it will be kind of cool across uh, the southeast. High temperature only around 50 in Atlanta, even into the Florida panhandle. Highs in the 50s today, but into the 60s across central Florida. And we'll see highs in the uh, mid-40s toward the mid-Atlantic today, which isn't bad for early February. But mainly dry across uh, the Ohio, Tennessee valleys as well. Most of the Great Lakes, although a front could touch off a little bit of snow across the UP of Michigan as he had throughout the day. But dry through the central and northern plains, back through much of the Rockies. Uh, out west, we are watching. Watching uh, a storm system moving on shore in the west, though, it's going to bring some rain from western parts of Washington and Oregon down into northern California. There will be some mountain snow to contend with as well, but generally dry through southern California and into the desert southwest. And that's the weather across America. In Baltimore today, mostly sunny, a high of 46. It'll be cloudy and chilly in San Antonio today with rain developing in the afternoon, a high near 50. As the nation's weather, I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Brian Thompson. America in the Morning continues. I'm John Trout. Authorities in Rochester, New York, are investigating a fiery crash that happened following a New Year's Eve concert as a possible act of terrorism. Police report two people died, five others were hurt. When two SUVs collided, exiting a parking lot, both went into a crosswalk. It was reported that at least a dozen gasoline canisters were found in one of the SUVs. In New York City, police say a driver fleeing officers blocks from time Square sped into a sidewalk and injured seven pedestrians, including a woman pinned under a food truck. Correspondent Julie Walker has more. The woman who was trapped under the food truck in Midtown Manhattan and the six other people were taken to hospitals and were in stable condition. The vehicle's driver and a police officer also were taken to hospitals. The crash happened less than two hours after New Year's Eve revelers packed into Times Square about a dozen blocks north. Police say officers were responding to a possible crime near Penn Station and were trying to intervene in a dispute in a vehicle when the driver struck multiple vehicles before speeding off on a sidewalk and hitting the food truck. The driver was caught several blocks away. Julie Walker, New York. The long arm of the law has no boundaries as a Colorado mother suspected of killing two of her young children is under arrest in the UK. Correspondent Shelley Adler reports. Kimberly Singler's nine-year-old daughter and seven-year-old son were found dead on December 19th when police responded to a reported burglary at their home. Colorado Springs police say the burglary report turned out to be unfounded. The 35-year-old mother initially cooperated with police but disappeared during the investigation. Police nabbed her Saturday in the Kensington section of London. Singler, who also allegedly wounded her 11-year-old daughter, appeared over the weekend in Westminster magistrate's court facing extradition to the U.S. on several charges. They include two counts of first-degree murder and one count of attempted murder. I'm Shelley Adler. In sports, college football's national title game is set between two undefeated teams as number one Michigan beat Alabama in overtime 27-20 in the Rose Bowl and number two University of Washington upended the University of Texas 37-31 in the Sugar Bowl. Michigan and Washington will play for the title January 8th. When we return on America in the Morning, companies anxious to pull back work-from-home employees after these messages.
Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. Buying Twitter was apparently not the cash cow Elon Musk may have been expecting. Fidelity has marked down the value of X shares, which the mutual fund helped Musk buy for $44 billion. Fidelity says in a report by Axios that X, as a company, is now worth over 71% less in value than when Musk made the deal 13 months ago. Musk was critical of Twitter prior to buying the social media site after it banned several people, including former President. President Trump, and then changing the company name and rebranding it to become X, all the while losing some large advertisers along the way. With more on what's been happening in business, CNBC's Peter Schack now. 2023 was a year that defied expectations in many ways. There were plenty of predictions of an economic slowdown or recession, something that did not come to pass. However, that doesn't mean that consumers didn't feel crunched at times and wanting more than ever to get the best deal possible. T.D. Cowan senior retail analyst Oliver Chen says the focus on value has been a winning proposition for retailers. What we see is a customer focused on value and getting deals and also value hacking. What we mean there is a customer really trying to trade up and trade down. For example, buying private label and certain commodities and getting great prices there, but trading up on tomato sauce or other items or the do-it-yourself methodology. And that's what's really worked. Retailers like Walmart, Grocery Outlet, and Costco, those have been big winners. That may become even more important as the year goes on. The expectation of interest rate cuts by the Fed this year helped boost investor optimism in a big way last year. But the strength of the U.S. economy in the face of recession expectations was a key factor as well. Julie Beal, chief market strategist at Kane Anderson Rudnick, says that may not continue because of an ongoing slowdown in consumer savings rates. They've been dipping into their savings that they accrued during the pandemic. And eventually that has to normalize. And that has a pretty meaningful impact on consumer discretionary spending. We think a little bit about how consumers have been in 2023. They've been helped by stimulus and very low or lower oil costs. It's a little bit like when my kid is learning how to ride his bike and I'm pushing him from behind, right? And so 2024 is when we start to figure out how strong really is the consumer. All that uncertainty and skepticism didn't stop the stock market from chalking up a bullish year in 2023, highlighted by a significant rebound from a September and October slump. The Dow, S&P 500 and Nasdaq posted weekly gains in each of the final nine weeks of 2023. Peter, as we begin the new year, where do companies stand in terms of bringing workers back into the workplace? It appears to vary widely. Companies like Boeing, Netflix, and Goldman Sachs want their workers back in the office. Others, like Google and Adobe, are adopting the hybrid approach. Wendy Davidson, CEO of organic products maker Haines Celestial, says a flexible approach is giving her company a competitive edge. There is value in people coming together, but it's those moments that are intentional rather than forced moments in a regular schedule. And if you think about it, people in global operations, people in sales functions have done this for years and nobody questioned their productivity or their ability to create teamwork, but it does require a different kind of leadership and a different kind of management to create that kind of culture. But ultimately, it depends on whether a particular company's approach is attracting the workers it needs. Thank you, CNBC's Peter Schacknell. When we return on America in the Morning, rolling doubles in Las Vegas on the 1st after these messages.
America in the Morning rolls on. It had all the makings of a made-for-TV movie, but it happened in real life. A foreign exchange student from China who was reported missing last week in Utah has been found in what authorities say was an apparent cyber-kidnapping scheme to extort $80,000 from the student's family. Lisa Dwyer has the story. The 17-year-old student was reported missing Friday, a day after he was last seen at the home where he had been staying. Police initially believed the student had been forcefully taken from his home. But on Sunday night, they found him safe in a tent about 25 miles away. Police say he was convinced that his family in China was threatened and that he needed to isolate himself. Meanwhile, his family received a ransom note and a photograph of the student that made it appear that he had been abducted and was in danger. The family paid the $80,000 ransom before he was found. I'm Lisa Dwyer. The newlywed population in Las Vegas spiked higher than usual. And as Ed Donahue reports, it had nothing to do with people deciding they were procrastinating, but everything to do with the date. December 31st, 2023 coincides with the rare numerical sequence of 123-123. Andy and Sandra Edgar from Maryland have been married for 20 years. They decided to say their I do's again. Actually, 123 is our code that we've always had when we were before we were married and dating that we sign our love letters and notes and cards, cards and stuff. We it was always, always. Sign one, two, three. Newlywed Shannon Roger and Ruby Hartman from Louisiana were intrigued with the one, two, three, one, two, three date, but I want to get married by Elvis. Not the actual Elvis, of course, but an Elvis Presley impersonator. They snuck out of town. Sending people back home. Hey, yeah, watch the chapel in 30 minutes, y'all. <laughs> we get married. Vegas weddings say there were about 150 weddings at its three chapels leading up to the new year. I'm Ed Donahue. America in the Morning for Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. More migrant encounters at the southern border come with more headaches in the northeast. I'm Clayton Neville. The Navy says an aircraft carrier will soon be returning home after an extended deployment defending Israel. Ed Donahue, Washington. Russia's latest drone attacks in Ukraine are coming with another warning from Moscow. I'm Norman Hall. A man and his 10-year-old son arrested on murder charges in California. I'm Pamela Furr. Chief Justice Roberts releases his annual report that makes no mention of ethics. I'm Shelley Adler. Michigan and Washington will play for the national title. I'm Robert Workman. The new year is kicking off with chocolate and music at the box office. I'm Kevin Carr. All ahead on America in the Morning. This is America in the Morning on the first Tuesday of 2024. Let's get a check of the national forecast. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Brian Thompson. It's going to be a pretty active week of storms out across the West. Now, most of these storms will initially be aimed at the Pacific Northwest and northern parts of California. But as they move to the southeast after they come on shore, we may see some rain at times across Southern California, perhaps even into parts of of the desert southwest. So that's something we'll be watching over the course of the next several days. But again, at least today, most of the rain will be confined to western Washington and Oregon, northern parts of California. Uh, There will be some mountain snow and a few rain and snow showers east of the Cascades as we head through 
throughout this Tuesday. Uh, farther south, though, dry across Southern California over to Las Vegas. Uh, Phoenix looking dry today and really dry through most of the Rockies, too. A developing storm across Texas is going to be bringing some rain, especially during the afternoon and into tonight. Uh, we're looking at uh, some steadier rain at times around San Antonio toward Austin, eventually pushing toward Houston later in the day. This storm will eventually push eastward across the southeast over the next day or so before uh, emerging off the east coast, heading into early Thursday. But the east coast is looking dry today, basically all the way from Maine to Florida. Uh, a lot of dry weather, a lot of sunshine in many places. Uh, temperatures through the northeast and mid-Atlantic, mostly in the 30s and 40s. Kind of chilly in the southeast. High today uh, will be mostly in the 50s, even down to the Gulf Coast, uh, even toward Jacksonville. High 57 today. Uh, through much of central Florida, highs will be in the 60s as well. So kind of a cool day in the southeast. Not too bad, though, in the northeast through the Great Lakes. Uh, it's looking mostly dry. There will be a few snow flurries, maybe a couple of snow showers in the UP of Michigan and northeastern parts of Minnesota. But outside of that, the northern plains, much of the Midwest, will be dry on this Tuesday. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Brian Thompson. America in the Morning continues. I'm John Trout. Migrant encounters continue to surge at the southern border, and Democrat mayors are responding to more bus and plane loads of arrivals in their cities. As correspondent Clayton Neville reports, a number of towns in New Jersey are receiving migrants destined for New York in an effort to bypass an order from New York City's mayor. Numbers from Customs and Border Patrol show that migrant encounters hit 300,000 last month as legal and illegal border crossings surge across the southern border. It's the highest total for a single month ever recorded. Bus loads in some planes filled with migrants are still being sent by Texas to sanctuary cities like Chicago and New York. According to New York City Mayor Eric Adams' recent order, buses can only arrive on weekdays between 8.30 in the morning and noon after giving a 32-hour notice to the city prior to arrival. So the buses are going to spots in New Jersey. But at the end of the day, these are desperate people that need help, and we want to do the right thing and be helpful. Mayors from cities like Trenton, Fanwood, and Edison, New Jersey, frustrated by what some are calling a loophole as buses are dropped off at the New Jersey stations. If it continues, it's kind of a regional approach from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and uh, everybody would need to pitch in. About 10 buses recently arrived from Texas and one from Louisiana carrying about 400 migrants. The mayor of Secaucus released a statement saying it seems quite clear that bus operators are finding a way to thwart the requirements of the executive order by dropping migrants at the train station in Secaucus and having them continue to their final destination. The mayor said perhaps the requirements that Mayor Adams put in place are too stringent and resulting in unexpected consequences. I'm Clayton Neville. Israel announces it's pulling a large number of ground forces out of Gaza, and it says it's preparing for a new phase of the conflict against Hamas. This is more than 160 aid trucks entered the enclave from both the Egyptian and Israeli crossings. The Israeli government also said their military is expecting to be in Gaza all of 2024. In the Red Sea, a container ship came under attack by Houthis from Yemen. After sending out an urgent distress signal, U.S. helicopters from an aircraft carrier responded and sank three Houthi boats near the freighter, marking the first time the U.S. killed Iranian-backed Houthis since the war in Gaza began. The U.S. Navy says an aircraft carrier will soon be returning home after an extended deployment defending Israel. The latest on the plans from correspondent Ed Donahue. 
The USS Gerald R. Ford Aircraft Carrier Strike Group was sent to the eastern Mediterranean to be within striking distance of Israel since the day after Hamas's attack in October. They repeatedly intercepted incoming ballistic missiles and attack drones fired from Houthi-controlled Yemen. The Ford and its accompanying warships will be replaced by the amphibious assault ship the USS Bataan and two accompanying warships. The Ford and the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower Aircraft Carrier have been part of a two-carrier presence monitoring the Israel Israel-Hamas war. Ed Donahue, Washington. In a war on another front, the Kremlin has hit back with one of its biggest barrages since the fighting began in Ukraine following a missile and drone strike against a Russian border city by Kyiv. The latest attacks coming with another warning from Moscow. Correspondent Norman Hall reports. Russia launched a record 90 Shahid-type drones across Ukraine during the early hours of the new year. And President Vladimir Putin said his country would intensify its attacks on its neighbor. Putin said Ukraine could expect more such strikes after shelling the Russian border city of Belgorod that killed more than two dozen people and wounded more than 100 others. Putin called that a terrorist act. In Ukraine, a 15-year-old boy was killed and seven people wounded after falling debris from one of 87 downed Russian drones hit a residential building in the southern Ukrainian city of Odessa. I'm Norman Hall. Documents obtained by the Associated Press show the Air Force has known for two decades that toxins were lurking in its underground nuclear missile launch capsules, but did not tell the airmen manning the facilities. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. They're 60 feet underground. Welcome to our capsule, everybody. Like Juliet 1 at North Dakota's Minot Air Force Base, where First Lieutenant Andy Partham was on a 24-hour shift in 2014. The documents show the Air Force was told about toxic risks in some capsules. Dark liquid festering on the floor, computer displays oozing a fishy-smelling gel, asbestos readings 50 times higher than EPA safety standards. My husband was definitely exposed to things that a daily human in normal life would not be exposed to. Doreen Genesis' husband Jason died of cancer at 31 in 2001 after serving as a missileer at Montana's Malmstrom Air Force Base. When the first reports of cancer among some missileers surfaced around then, the Air Force assured others all was well. The documents tell a different story. That makes me really frustrated and a little angry that they can keep telling these young men and women that they're not finding anything, knowing back in 2001 and 2003 and 2000, early 2000s that that there was something going on there. Amid more cancer reports, the Air Force has spent the past year testing air, water, soil, and surface samples from the nation's three nuclear missile bases. The 45 launch capsules dating to the 60s will be demolished in a few years. Their replacements will be built according to modern environmental standards. Sagar Magani, Washington. When we return on America in the Morning, Chief Justice Roberts on artificial intelligence and minimum wage goes higher in the new year. Just a couple of the stories we're covering next when America in the Morning continues after these messages.
We're back. I'm John Trout. You're listening to America in the Morning. In a town about 20 miles outside Sacramento, California, a man and his 10-year-old son are behind bars after the boy shot and killed another child using a stolen gun he found in his father's car. The latest on the story from correspondent Pamela Fur. Sacramento County Sheriff's deputies responded to a shooting call shortly after 4.30 p.m. local time on Saturday. They found a 10-year-old boy lying in the middle of a parking lot bleeding from his head and neck. He was taken to the hospital where he later died. He's been identified as Keith Frierson. Witnesses directed deputies to a nearby apartment where they found Arkeith Davis and two children, one of whom was his 10-year-old son. And we're told that boy, whose name has not been released, had grabbed the gun from his dad's car while he was getting his dad's cigarettes and then bragged to the other boy that his father had a gun. Frierson's aunt Erica tells KCRA-TV, Parents! Don't watch their kids. Detectives found a firearm that had been reported stolen in 2017 in a nearby trash can. They allege Davis threw it there. Now, the 10-year-old was arrested on suspicion of murder and taken to the Sacramento County Youth Detention Facility. His father arrested on numerous felony charges, including accessory after the fact. He's being held on a $500,000 bond. I'm Pamela Furr. Chief Justice John Roberts has released his annual Supreme Court report that did discuss artificial intelligence but made no mention of ethics. Correspondent Shelley Adler reports. Chief Justice John Roberts turned his focus to the promise and shortcomings of artificial intelligence in the federal court's annual report Sunday. Describing artificial intelligence as the latest technological frontier, Roberts discussed the pros and cons of computer-generated content in the legal profession. The report came at the end of a year in which a series of stories questioned the ethical practices of the justices, and the court responded to critics by a adopting its first code of conduct. Many of those stories focus on Justice Clarence Thomas and his failure to disclose travel, other hospitality, and additional financial ties with wealthy conservative donors. I'm Shelley Adler. The new year brings a pay raise for many minimum wage workers. Correspondent Rita Foley has the story. Workers in 22 states who make the minimum wage will see a pay boost this year, according to the Economic Policy Institute. The minimum wage is up to $16 in New York City and some of its suburbs, up from $15. In the rest of the state, the new minimum wage is $15, up from $14.20. It's also $16 in California. In Connecticut, it's $15.69, up $0.69. The federal minimum wage has stayed at $7.25 per hour since 2009. But states and some localities are free to set higher amounts. 30 states have done so. I'm Rita Foley. It is expected that today's morning rail commute will go more smoothly in California's San Francisco Bay Area than it did on New Year's Day. Correspondent Jackie Quinn has details. A BART train derailed and then caught on fire between two stations just north of Oakland, forcing passengers to evacuate the train between the Orinda and Lafayette stations. Local media report nine people were hurt, but no serious injuries. Officials with the Bay Area Rapid Transit quickly had a crane in place to get the two derailed cars back on the tracks. Apparently, a signaling issue required a manual alignment, and that's when the car 
cars derailed. The Orinda station was closed Monday. A transit spokesman estimated tens of thousands of people were impacted, some stranded on a holiday. I'm Jackie Quinn. Modern medical technology often resembles science fiction, but with the advancements in brain-to-computer interfaces, it may be reality sooner than we may think. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's Tech News. In a follow-up in our end-of-year top tech story, researchers have developed a non-invasive method for reading brain activity. This functional ultrasound marks a significant leap in brain-machine interface technology, or BMI, offering less invasive methods for precise control of electronic devices by interpreting brain activity. Many interfaces require invasive surgeries to implant electrodes in the brain in order to read neural activity. Co-author of the study, Sumner Norman, has said, in general, all tools for measuring brain activity have benefits and drawbacks. While electrodes can precisely measure the activity of single neurons, they require implantation into the brain itself. The ultrasound data is then sent in real time to a decoder and subsequently generated control signals to move a cursor where the subject intended it to go. The researchers are hopeful that the interface will allow a user to control prosthetic limbs at a future date. For more tech news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Lots going on, especially in football. Robert Workman has sports. We are down to the final two teams standing for the College Football National Championship. Monday semifinals, number one Michigan got by Alabama 27-20 in overtime at the Rose Bowl. Blake Corum's 17-yard scoring run was followed by a big fourth down stop by the Wolverines defense. I'm happy, but I'm not like super happy. I'm right in the middle, you know, because I know the job's not finished and uh, we'll be ready uh, come Monday. Number two Washington held off Texas 37-31 in the Sugar Bowl. Michael Penix Jr. threw for 430 yards and two scores, but again, it took a great defense. Defensive play at the end to win it. Elijah Jackson swatted away a pass in the end zone as time expired. The championship game comes up Monday night in Houston. Three other bowl games on New Year's Day. The ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa saw number 13 LSU outrun Wisconsin 35-31. Garrett Nussmeyer stepping into the shoes of Heisman Trophy winner Jaden Daniels for the Tigers through three second-half TD passes. At the Fiesta Bowl outside Phoenix, number 8 Oregon overwhelmed previously unbeaten number 23 Liberty 45-6. Bo Nix fired five scoring passes. And at the the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, number 21 Tennessee, blew away number 17 Iowa 35-0. The NHL Winter Classic in Seattle saw the Kraken blank the champion Golden Knights 3-0 at T-Mobile Park. With the roof open on New Year's Day, Joey Decord was more than okay stopping 35 shots for Seattle. It was so much fun hearing that and just hearing the support throughout the whole game, all the let's go Kraken chants and yeah, it was a it was a special game and, and just to get the support from the fans and share that moment. NBA, the Knicks knocked off the Timberwolves 112-106. Julius Randle had 39 points for New York. Wrapped Tours got 36 from Pascal Siakam as they edged the Cavaliers 124-121. Pacers came on strong to beat the Bucks, ending Milwaukee's 15-game home winning streak. Nuggets rocked the Hornets. Charlotte has dropped 11 in a row. Rockets rolled over the Pistons, Detroit's first outing since snapping their record-tying 28-game losing streak on Saturday. Jazz manhandled the Mavericks. Jordan Clarkson posted a triple-double. He's the first Utah player to do that since Carlos Boozer. In 2008, Sun scorched the Blazers and the Clippers turned down the heat. That's Tuesday Sports. Thank you, Robert. Coming up next, underage flyer gets put on the wrong flight again. Plus, a look at movies from the past year. Just a couple stories we're covering next when America in the Morning continues after these messages.
America in the Morning continues. It's happened again for the second time in two weeks. A person under the age of 18 boarded a plane and landed at the wrong airport. This time it was a 16-year-old who was traveling alone for the first time, heading from Tampa to Cleveland. He mistakenly boarded a Frontier Airlines flight that landed in San Juan, Puerto Rico. When both the teen and Frontier realized what happened, he was flown back to Tampa and arrived in Cleveland a day later. Frontier Airlines told NBC News that an agent looked at his boarding pass but never scanned it. Last week, a six-year-old was placed on the wrong Spirit Airlines flight and sent to an airport over 140 miles from his destination. The movies closed out the box office in 2023 with its share of ups and downs. Kevin Carr reports. The New Year's box office belonged to Warner Brothers with three of the studio's films in the top five. My name is Willy Wonka. The musical prequel Wonka led off the four-day holiday weekend with a solid $30 million. The film heads into 2024 with $140 million domestic and close to $400 million worldwide. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom floundered into second place with $24 million for the holiday. I cannot believe you let this happen. Yeah, well, I hate this job. This final installment in the lame duck DC extended universe continues the studio's stream of superhero disappointments. They must be migrating. Migration? What a stupid idea. Illumination and Universal's migration flew into the number three spot with $22 million. Ain't you got something to make you just smile? In fourth place was Warner Brothers' The Color Purple with $15 million million dollars for the long weekend. There's no way we can convince anyone we actually like each other. And Sony's R-rated rom-com Anyone But You rounds out the top five with $11 million. Hi, Barbie. This is the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world. Being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. Wahoo! 2023 wrapped up with about $9 billion at the box office, propelled by Barbenheimer, Mario, and Spider-Man. It's a $2 billion increase from last year's pandemic-era run, but it's still lower than the $11 to $12 billion threshold from pre-COVID years. I'm Kevin Carr. It's become a tradition of sorts. The first day of the new year starts with polar plunges around the country. For many, correspondent Julie Walker wades in. Here in Brooklyn's Coney Island, organizers say thousands of people signed up for the annual polar plunge in the Atlantic Ocean, celebrating 121 years. The beach is packed, the water is a frigid 45 degrees, give or take. The one saving grace, the sun has been poking out of the clouds. Having gone in myself, I can tell you, this is a freezing but refreshing and fun event. Many are wearing nothing but bathing suits to take the plunge, but telling me, it's a great way to start the new year off on a positive note, and this polar plunge is also a fundraiser for a few charitable causes. In Coney Island, I'm Julie Walker. And that's our show for today, Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. America in the Morning is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville. The Ultimate Smallville Rewatch Podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.